All right, welcome to another episode of Backlash Podcast. We are live from the Wisconsin Muskie Expo tonight. I mean, it'll be today, I guess, when people hear this episode, because it'll come out on Wednesday. We do have a couple people in attendance tonight, which is nice. We didn't have that in Milwaukee, because they didn't like us very much there, but it's starting to catch on a little bit. People like this whole uh, round table thing. I think we at least have one, two, three, four, five different guides currently. We're waiting on Jeff Hansen to show up at some point. I don't know when that will be, but... Uh, he's he's actually busy working, unlike the rest of us that are standing around here. I got a I got a co-host, Jeff Vandermortel, slightly smaller stature than Brad Hoppy, but I found a suitable replacement. At least I feel we're suitable replacement. A little taller, co-host. not as good looking, right. but uh, you know, I'm, I'm filling the shoes, big shoes to fill. A little less beard, you less know? beard, but yeah, I trim it back for the show. It's got to right. keep it presentable. Hundred percent. So if um, we're gonna have, we have one question we're gonna have somebody ask us to get started, and we'll do it before. Uh, Jeff Hansen shows up. We're going to talk about trolling in northern Wisconsin is what he wanted to know most about, I think, is how that went. I think that was a big hit last yep. last episode. Everybody wanted to talk about trolling in northern Wisconsin. So we're going to start him off with that. That's what he wanted to talk about most. Yeah, fantastic. Do you want to do a quick around the horn and yep. uh, a quick introduction for everybody? Let's uh, let's do that. So throw the microphone over here. We'll let them introduce each other and then uh, introduce themselves, and then we'll uh, we'll go from there. Uh, Taylor Flannery with Muskie Guarantee Guide Service, and I'm in Lane Lade, Oneida, Vilas, and Forest Counties. I'm Gus Manti with uh, Suggs Fishing Guide Service in Vilas and Oneida County. I'm Phil Sadola with Angler Sport Fishing Guide Service. Uh, we fish the waters of Green Bay and its tributaries. Will Bueller, fish Vilas and Oneida Counties, Scanny Guide Adventures. Matt Ross, Muskie Operations Guide Service. I guide out of the Chippewa Falls, Eau Claire, Wisconsin area. Nate Osfar, uh, fish a lot of tournaments and generally fish the uh, Oneida and Viles County areas, which I also guide at. Excellent. So the first question we're going to talk about, and I don't know if we'll, we can go all the way around the horn or what, however we want to do this, Jeff, but you know, sometimes things get a little repetitive after five guys answer the same question, but we want to talk about choosing a lake in northern Wisconsin. Obviously, you know it well. All these guys know it well. There's no short supply of you know spots to go musky angling up here in northern wisconsin so why don't you guys talk a little bit about that what's the uh the method to choosing a lake up here um i would start with the weather patterns um if you have a sunny day or overcast day that would determine whether i'm fishing a clear body of water or a stained body of water and then uh what kind of fish you're targeting. Uh, if you're going for a bigger fish obviously uh, certain lakes are better for bigger fish versus the numbers if, if you're on a moon phase, obviously you're going to want to go after the biggest fish you can. That's, that's what we're all in it for. Uh, I'm going to choose those waters that way. And then uh, also looking up the stocking records from, say, 2010 on. Uh, that's also a good starting point if you're just, you know, picking a lake out. Um, go for that, and it should get you on the right track. Yeah, I would uh, agree with what uh, Taylor just said. Definitely start with the stocking reports. That's huge. You know, if you're wanting numbers, that's a good start. Weather plays a huge role as well because there's lots of clear bodies of water, lots of stained bodies of water, green, brown, any color stain. There's river systems too. Yeah. All right, Phil, we'll First skip you since you're a Green Bay guide. We'll move on. Uh, one thing I look for is early in the season, normally I'm fishing a little bit darker water, uh, lakes that have weed growth a little bit earlier than clear bodies of water. Um, later in the year, I tend to start to get to a little bit of clear, clear more clear uh, bodies of water um, and then with cold fronts I, I generally generally fish uh, stained waters first bodies of water that are affected first by the cold front and then I move on to those bigger deeper clear bodies of water from there um, that's one thing I pay attention to throughout the season in northern Wisconsin 
I would agree with uh, what everybody said here and with without being repetitive um, I ultimately I guess I let the fish tell me what lake I'm gonna fish obviously weather patterns and water clarity are gonna play a huge role in that but I'm gonna let the fish kind of talk to me if a certain lake systems off you know it's just not going that day I'm gonna bounce um, stocking records obviously like you guys said play a huge role um, but I, like you had said, like early in the year, I'm fishing a lot of darker water, that water that's going to warm up first, uh, flowages, and then I'll, I'll kind of switch from there. I'm uh, usually a lake jumper. I'll fish three, four lakes in the same day, and uh, typically I'm, I guess, always looking for the biggest fish, so I generally don't spend much time at all on action waters, and I guess just after fishing northern Wisconsin for 30 years I've kind of got a feel for what lakes produce at what times and and those are the lakes I generally target every year there's certain lakes that seem to be on or off and there's lakes one year that are, are great and then the next year they're just bust and generally those get put on the list of do not fish um, so a lot of it's just you know history I guess all right now we had Jeff Hansen jump in let's change up questions here for one second so I had a person come up to me in the booth today and they want to know like unconventional bait that you would use and, and like a technique you know I know Jeff you do some stuff uh, I, I know maybe I'll, I'll steal it from you a little bit but like the mojo from Muskie Innovation or Big Joe you know that's one of those baits that not everybody hears about you know like what's an unsung yeah, bait that you guys use and maybe like what's the technique somebody said well you know I, I use a toad and I like to drag it across the bottom is there something kind of off the beaten path that you guys do to help put more fish in the net every year um, yeah, you said, mentioned the Big Joe. That's been one of my favorites forever. I mean, that was one of the first soft plastics that was ever out way before the Medusa or the um, Bulldog. A few guys use them. Um, even in Madison, I mean, I've talked about Big Joes in seminars forever. It's a bait that the fish don't see, and they're super, super easy to use because you use the you you work with the reel, not really the rod. So they're, I mean, if you have bad ar arms or shoulders, you can use a rubber bait and use the Big Joe, and it's super easy to use. Just do hard turns on the reel, and if you're fishing heavy cover with them, you just do short cast, keep your rod tip up high, use a seven six extra heavy Musk Innovations jerk bait rod. Same thing like I'm throwing Suix on, and uh, that's all you need for using that bait and it's just something the fish don't see and uh, I like using it after turnover too. Um, cast it off the brakes, let it sink down to the bottom and then work it back up the brakes doing everything with a reel. Um, another bait that hardly anybody uses are spoons uh, like weedless spoons. The doctor spoon is a really really good one. I know Jeff you're, you just ordered some you're going to be getting some in soon. Um, when the cold fronts in early, early spring and the fish are buried in the slop, there's nothing better to get those fish out of. And, and during cold fronts, they really produce. I just put it like a double white Mr. Twister on the back of them and uh, just swim them in through the slop and, and, and get and caught some mid bunch of mid 40 inch fish on them and had five and six fish days on them. It's just something the fish don't ever see. So that's that's critical and uh, especially fish in pressured water because you're doing stuff that other guys aren't. Sure. All right. You can pass it around uh, whatever direction we want to go. Matt, you got something you want to talk about? Yeah, I'll kind of expand on that. Um, I, you know, like he said, I start going through baits every year. I start looking at baits that are on my wall. You know, if you're seeing baits that a lot of guys aren't throwing or baits that may be collecting dust on your wall for a long time, stuff that you used to catch a lot of fish on, I start pulling that stuff off my wall and throwing a lot of that stuff. Um, I also do a lot of bait tinkering too, uh, you know, especially with rubber baits, adding blades and weights and stuff like that. Just giving those fish something different, something that they don't see every day, I think is the biggest and most important part. 
Uh, one bait I guess that I've had great luck with and used for a long time are, are boot tail swim baits and they've caught on a lot in the last few years with the Poseidon and the swimming dog but I mean back 15 years ago they were great fish catchers and um, kind of started using them a lot more again last year and uh, a couple of the biggest fish in the boat last year were both on uh, swimming dogs so I guess boot tail swim baits shallow in the weeds or out deep it's a very versatile bait um, that's one thing I use on pressured fish that continues to produce. I think we'll add to that too um, if the guys have something in uh off, uh, off the beat patterns for like seasonal timing too. Not just the bait, but maybe the seasonal timing, give it a little context as well. Taylor Flannery. Um, I would say uh, top water actually and when to use it. Um, a lot of people I've had tell me that you cannot catch a fish opening weekend in northern Wisconsin on a topwater bait, and that is completely false. Uh, we had a three fish day on topwater uh, opening weekend what, two years ago. And um, then also, um, when you're when you are using those top waters in the early season or late into the season in like October when normally people aren't you know they're throwing big rubber big blades uh, the top water can be a ticket then too but um, reeling that bait a little bit slower actually it keeps the bait riding lower in the water uh, and you actually put off more of a more of a wake versus that plop that you normally get on a tail bait so that can that can really fire them up. Gus Manti here. Um, this isn't exactly an unconventional bait. Um, it's the Suic. Um, it's just when I use it in uh, summer peak, usually everyone's going to throw a topwater or a bucktail at sunset into dark, but I like to throw a Suic. And instead of uh, working it with short jabs or making it really erratic like you'd normally use it, I'll just do long pulls, long pauses, and it works. Uh, Phil Sedola here. Um, Another piggybacking off of Nate, um, the swimming dog thing, we started throwing those in 2019 when they first came out. And uh, one thing, again, tinkering with baits, we put um, some of the, uh, re sorry, the Kramer Revo blades in front of them, specifically some with the tickers, especially fish in the river in the early season. The Fox River was real dirty that year. And it was a bait that made a lot of noise and fish just seemed to come unglued. I think in the first two weeks of the season, we caught five or six fish throwing um, the swimming dogs with the, with the Revo blades on it. Will Beeler here. Taylor, back to what you said, uh, topwater baits, um, specifically walk the dog. I know a lot of people throw that in the back half of the day or in the evening. Um, one thing I've gotten back to is even in flat calm conditions, I know a lot of people throw reactionary baits, medusas, bulldogs, and those are great. Um, but I like to slow down, throw a walk the dog topwater bait, and really methodically cover weed beds in northern Wisconsin specifically. And those fish tend to come unglued even on the toughest conditions. Um, Jeff Vandermortel here. Uh, yeah, I, I'll contribute one on that. I, I really like the the when to use a bait, not necessarily the type of bait uh, angle from that. So big rubber right off the bat, and ears with the early spring. Um, back in 2012, I had one of the best uh, opening, one of the best days of my career, and that was all on magnum rubber on opening day. I had six fish in the boat, and several were in that four foot class, and uh, that was a heck of a day. And that was all on magnum rubber. Um, again, to the whole, you can't catch a fish on top water on opening day. You can't catch a fish on big rubber on opening day. It's just simply not true. It's just where the lake is at, where the fish are at, and what type of that uh, seasonal progression has gone along. When you get an early ice off and things are progressed, don't be afraid to try stuff that you might not use until a little later in the summer, uh, right off the bat for starters. So now this is the fourth Muskie Expo, at least, that most of us have attended. We've all seen a lot of new stuff that's come out this year. Maybe let's go uh, quick around the horn of maybe something they've seen at the show that they haven't used before that they want to maybe give a shot to, you know, for this upcoming season. There's a, 
I wouldn't say there's a ton of new products, but there's definitely new products out there and stuff that maybe came emerged late last season. So let's go around the horn on that. Taylor Flannery. Um, actually, I'm very excited to try the Ridgeway Custom 9-inch Twitch. Um, I, actually, I am normally not a Twitch bait guy, but I was able to fish last year with a guy that had one and was throwing it for about an hour or so. They have a great action, great rise. Uh, they put a lot of fish in the boat last year. It's new to me, um, and I'm definitely going to be putting a lot of miles on that one. So, <laughs> Gus Manta here. Taylor stole mine. I just <laughs> I I got a nine-inch Ridgeway, and I'm super excited to throw that. So that's what I was going to say. But another one is the SRJ. I know Jeff's been talking about that for a long time, and I've been trying to get one for I think two years now, and I finally got two. I got here, waited in line, <laughs> got the two, and I'm, I'm really pumped because big fan of diving rise, and I know that's got a little extra wiggle to it, a little slower rise, so I'm excited to use that from spring all the way through fall. All right, uh, Phil Sedola here. Um, I'm excited to try the donkey tail bait. I saw, um, I saw it originally on the TRO website, and of course I was a day late and a dollar short. I clicked on it and they were all gone, but uh, Corey Olson's here. I went and bought a couple from him. That's one that I'm looking forward to throwing. Um, most people think early season on Green Bay and they think the Fox River, which is often quite dirty, but there's a lot of other spots, unconventional spots that have real clear water and the fish are real finicky. So I think something that's gonna hang and that's gonna be able to work real slow is gonna be something that uh, I'm excited to give a good try to. Will Bueller here. One lure I'm looking forward to is uh, the Mini Grenade by Muskie Mayhem. I know in Northern Wisconsin, a lot of people veer away from large baits, including myself at times. Um, the mini grenade kind of fills that gap um, in between that super large lure and other bucktails. Um, and pulling it off of weed edges and op open water, anything in between, it's going to be super effective and really, really excited to use it this season upcoming. Yeah, Jeff Hansen here again. Uh, I'm looking, really looking forward to using the new shallow diesel from Muskie Train. I had some prototypes last fall to use in September, October. Had fish up to 48 in the boat with them. Um, I think it's going to be just an absolute dynamite spring bait. Uh, going to catch a lot of fish on it. It was an awesome multi-species uh, bait too. Caught multiple largemouths and smallmouths up to 22 inches. A lot of walleyes on them and tons of pike up to 40. Uh, it's a really, really great bait to work in and around heavy cover or shallow in the spring. Like if you hold your rod tip down to the water it gets down about 36 inches if you hold your rod tip up it just swims right underneath the surface so even in that one two foot of water you'll be able to use that crankbait and just that small panfish profile is going to put a lot of fish in the boat so i'm really excited to use that in may this year you guys stole all my answers this is matt ross here um, i think i purchased one of every one of the baits that you guys mentioned so um, one of my favorite things about this show is all the new baits and stuff that are coming in and i'm always looking for something different but one that, I, that hasn't been mentioned here, I picked up a jig from Cougar Baits over here. I'm kind of excited to try that. Um, jigs are kind of coming back in, I think. Uh, not a lot of people throwing them, so just something different that the fish don't see every day. I'll, I'll play around with it and see if we can put a few fish in the boat. I typically try to abstain from too many bait purchases in the winter because it's too <laughs> tempting, but the first baits i ordered this winter were some of the delong flying witches i saw the action uh, a video of the action and it, it's a it's a new design and it's a little heavier and i saw the hop it had and i i'm fairly certain it's going to catch fish so i ordered three of them so that was my first purchase of the winter and looking forward to trying them out all right so we know that northern wisconsin in wisconsin in general for the most part aside from a few fisheries isn't exactly known 
as a trolling hotbed. You know, Jeff, you were on the on the podcast in Minnesota, and it was kind of crickets when we talked about it, especially with the Minnesota guy or the, the, the Northern Wisconsin guys. Northern Wisconsin guys didn't have a whole lot there, but there's right. a couple guys in this crowd that trolls. So right. So you know, maybe if we could, you know, talk about what's a a must-have trolling bait if you're going to troll in Wisconsin, and specifically, you know, which waters you're trolling it on. I would like I'd be interested to know if anybody does any Northern Wisconsin trolling and see, you know, kind of what baits they're looking at because. You know, trolling's been open in northern Wisconsin for a while, but I, I'm on the water enough, and I still don't see it utilized that often, you know, and, and for good reason, I guess. Everybody wants to catch them casting, right? It doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, I think with, along with that question of whether, you know, whether or not you troll, if you're a troller, um, but also you prefer maybe more of that Cisco-based deep water or something more along the lines of not necessarily a Cisco lake, because, you know, we equate, I think the people that are from northern Wisconsin, we certainly equate the trolling thing with a deep cisco base clear water, clear body of water. That's usually what a lot of people would think of, but I'd be interested to hear if you do something besides that as well. Uh, Gus Manti, uh, for trolling, it's a popular one, but I'm just going to say it is just the baby joint adepturator. It's tough to beat. Uh, mainly fish Eagle River and Three Lakes waters, and it's just money there. The water there in the summer gets dirty. Um, in June, when that bug hatch happens, you just throw it back, not super far down, and, and you're gonna get bit. It just it just works, flat out works. Phil Sedola here. Um, fishing Green Bay, anybody who's trolled on Green Bay knows that the Super Shad is kind of the gold standard out there. Um, honestly, as a Green Bay guide, we're walking around these shows looking for the next Super Shad. Like if there's something that works like a Super Shad, we're buying it, that's what we're looking for. Um, as far as other baits that we use, we do run depth raters. Again, I, I would say a straight, my, for my personal preference, a straight depth raider. If I'm going somewhere that I haven't fished before, I'm either going to run a regular straight depth rater or a baby straight depth rater and uh, in just a natural pattern, something like Sucker or the Shimmer and Shad, something like that. Uh, if I'm exploring a new lake, I'll put that down. Just I think you can catch fish anywhere on a depth rater. I don't, that's one of the best baits you can have if you're, if you're just looking for new baits and new, or new water, I should say. Will Bueller here. I do a minimal amount of trolling in northern Wisconsin, uh, but when I do do some trolling, uh, I focus on shallower water. Um, and that brings me to the seven inch slammer, the square bill. Um, the erratic wobble on that bait is incredible. You can go in short line, tight turns, allows you to go at high speeds and you can pick off a lot of fish when a lot of people are casting in northern Wisconsin, especially early in the year. Uh, Jeff Hansen here again. Uh, one that I, I mean, I'm trolling on the Madison chain. We've been able to troll there forever. Um, one bait that I will run from May through November that I will always have at least two of them out. I generally run a six rod spread, sometimes seven, but weeds, floating weeds are so bad, I'm usually running six. But I will have two musky train diesels out no matter what. I mean, there'll be some days I'll have four out. Anywhere where you got a panfish forage base, especially in Madison, there's tons of uh, panfish. Uh, the musky train diesel can't be beat. I mean, it's a small bait, but I've had multiple multiple fish over 50 up to 52 on them um, it's a great numbers bait and a big fish bait um, and it's easy to use and easy to pull and uh, I mean I, I've had days where I've ended up with six of them out the fish are hitting them so hard and uh, they just just produce a lot of big fish and uh, not a lot, a lot of guys still use them but a, a great producer for me always have a couple of them out Matt Ross here um, I probably don't do enough trolling to have enough skin in the game here but if I do any trolling uh, somebody had mentioned more shallow water trolling. Was that you? Yeah, like you can't beat like slammers, jakes, grandmas, all those old staples that we used to use years ago. Nate Osfar here. If I could troll one bait, one bait in northern Wisconsin, I guess I strictly troll Cisco water. It'd be a 10-inch headlock. 
Um, when trolling first opened up, I think I was one of the first guys in northern Wisconsin to troll one, and yeah, the, the first couple weeks of fishing with it were just ridiculous. Uh, lots of fish, lots of big fish. Um, still productive to this day, um, but that's, that's one bait I'd always have out. All right, and Jeff, let's hand it over. We got a, an audience question. He wants to know a little bit about open water, so I'll let him ask it. Yeah, hey, um, when do you guys in northern Wisconsin usually switch over to open water fishing throughout the year? Uh, besides trolling, you know, how do you target them casting? Taylor Flannery. If I am looking at any kind of open water, it is not going to so much depend on the time of year, but where I'm seeing the bait in the water column itself. Um, if the bait is off of structure, obviously that's where the muskies are going to be. And usually for us, it's not so much a, a wide open water bite, um, but a cast length or two off of the main structure. Um, and normally those bait fish are, you know, staging whatever in eight foot suspended and, you know, 20 foot of water off of our structure. And then uh, the most important thing to do when you are targeting those fish is to read where those bait fish are at and try to get a lure that is getting down to that depth in the water column. Uh, if you could, um, if you do that, you'll get a lot more strikes than say just throwing a bucktail, you know, in the top two feet of the water column, you're not going to get bit or get any looks. So um, getting down to the fish is very important. Phil Sedol here, I guess I'll just answer it as if it was a Green Bay question because that's what I know. But um, as far as trolling on Green Bay, um, we do do a little bit of trolling in the early season, especially if there's uh, a really bad cold front. A few years ago we had, um, I mean, the fish were almost on their way out of the river when the season first started. We were marking fish on our side scan instead of right up on shore where they should be, ideally in the open season. Um, they were on the other side of the boat. We were fishing deeper than we normally would and they were on the outside of us. So basically to, to still try and catch those fish, we would fish right along the river channel and kind of fish, um, obviously shallower baits, closer to shore, things like that. And then once we get to our summer bite, we're mostly fishing weed beds in uh, late August, July, August, and then once we kind of start transitioning off of that, um, there's a few weeks in the middle there towards the end of August where we can troll and troll the weed edges, and then once September hits, we're basically transitioning onto open water flats, just following bait. Once those fish kind of slide off the weeds, start the shad start migrating, those fish start moving, and then that's when we start fishing our open, it's, it's not deep open water, but it's still open flats that we start fishing then. Will Bueller here. I think uh, one of the questions asked was, when do I start open water fishing? Um, the biggest thing I pay attention to is if I notice bait is out over the basin, I'm going to go check it. If there's fish uh, following that bait, they're going to be there, they're going to be eating that bait. Um, then my, my second approach is, where is the bait? Is it high up in the water column, top 10 feet? Is it 20 feet down? And then the biggest thing after that is, do not fish below the bait, right? Muskies feed up, we all know that. They can't eat downward. Your bait better be above them. And if it is, it probably will be eaten. Jeff Hansen again. Um, I will start fishing open water immediately when season opens. The last six years, my first fish in the boat was trolling uh, open water. Uh, in most systems, I mean, I'm in southern Wisconsin on the Madison chain. In most systems, that time of year, the biggest fish are already out in open water. They're already done spawning and out deep. Um, so. And if, you knew, and if you don't like to troll, casting too, um, caught a lot of big fish in open water early last year. Um, actually, the biggest fish in my boat for the whole year was caught the first week of May on a twisted two from Red October out in 38 feet of water um, casting. So if you don't like to troll, casting is, is awesome out in open water too. Um, just like somebody else had mentioned, fish 
you can't don't fish deep fish fish high um, a lot of times especially if it's warm out and sunny a lot of those fish are in the top 10 feet of water um, you can get them with bucktails and a lot of guys trolling make the mistake of trolling too deep um, you want to be having stuff high especially if it's flat and calm a lot of those fish should be in that upper water column and there's there's always fish in open water from beginning of season to the end of the season and in my system and I'm sure it's a lot in the other ones some of the biggest fish in the entire system are never in shallow water other than the spawn um, some of the biggest fish in the Madison chain are in open water year-round and are in the bait so do your homework drive around spend the time find the heaviest concentrations of bait that you can and cast if you like to cast or troll if you like to troll and that's how you're going to get those fish in open water matt ross here um, i'll start casting open water generally and it depends on the year obviously with weather conditions and whatnot but probably the second week in june through june once i get into july then i'm kind of out of it but uh, as far as my approach, I mean, like these guys said, you're focusing on the bait. If you're seeing a lot of bait fish out deep, I'm going to go check it, you know, with, with graphs and whatever, and, and I'm going to start fishing it. Um, as far as an approach, it's hard to beat a, a mag dog or a medusa or a tube or something out there. But if I find pods of bait, um, and it doesn't even have to be like vast expanses of open water. I think, Taylor, you had mentioned a lot of it's like, just a cast length or two off the structure sometimes or just a slight elevation change maybe you've got a deep water hump or something those fish will be relating to i'm gonna i'm gonna start focusing on those probably if the second week in june through june nate osfar here i uh i typically look a lot at water temperature generally i see the open water bite in northern wisconsin develop somewhere between 63 and 65 degrees and that's generally when I'll start strictly targeting open water, or at least for a good percentage of the time. Like others have said, I guess I typically fish high and fast early and start dropping down as the water temperature warms. I guess if there's two anglers in the boat, my preference would be one guy fishing high and fast and one guy fishing low and slow. And depending on the day, either one can produce. Uh, and I would say over the last three years, I've seen casting be much more productive in open water than trolling. It seems like the straight trolled crankbait isn't quite as attractive as it used to be. Still catches plenty of fish when the window's open, but as far as triggering neutral fish, uh, I just don't see it quite as much. Uh, Jeff Vandermortel here. I would add one thing to that. I, Nate, Nate uh, touched on a bit of it right there. I think uh, the one thing I look for um, earlier in the season is to watch for that bug hatch. Um, that's a really crucial time and a couple of the other guys touched on kind of that second third week of June in that and that's why that's such a good open water bite especially in our neck of the woods we got a lot of bug activity that time and those mud flats adjacent to your big weedy bays and stuff tend to really get good um, that'd be one of those certain times you want to really focus on look for that extra clutter on there it looks like interference on the graph and stuff if you start seeing stuff that looks you know it doesn't look right you think something's wrong with your graph a lot of times it's just a lot of bug activity in the bottom that can be a really good indicator that fish are going to leave structure and go out to take advantage of that food source uh, one other time to target open water water watch for big temperature swings and for fish to abandon the shallows or at least a good number of the fish to abandon the shallows taylor touched on that a little bit with those fish sliding off a cast length or two off the break especially off the primary break line uh, that's one thing to also watch for if you're fishing your productive spots your number one your number two spots and not seeing fish especially when conditions feel pretty good if you've recently had a, a quick warm-up my rule of thumb is about six to eight degrees if it's shifted to six to eight degrees higher or lower in any sort of a quick fashion like a day or two or three something like that uh, a lot of times those fish are going to recess to those open water, similar mud flats. A lot of times it's the same places where that bug activity was really hot in that uh, second, third week of June. 
All right, let's switch over to reels. In the Milwaukee Expo, we talked about rods. You know, if you could have one rod or whatever it would be, you know, which one would you select? Let's go with reels and not necessarily brand of reels. Let's talk about gear ratios on reels. You know, you hear a lot about it, slow speed, medium speed. You know, you got that 5.1 to, 5 to 1, you got that 6.2 to 1, and some of them you got 8.1 to 1, 7.2 to 1. I guess if you guys had to fish with, obviously, we're, we're going with just general rules here. If you had to pick one reel, which one are you going to have? Have your consumers buy or which ones are you going to have your your clients using the most this season taylor flannery if i'm going to pick one reel for all things musky fishing it's going to be a high speed um, you can always slow down your retrieve um, i i use a lot of rubber i use a lot of suix and that line pickup can be very important uh, if you are slack lined completely you will miss a lot of fish just off of that um, it is hard even i mean if you're drifting or whatever uh, it's hard to pick up the line with with a low speed reel on a jerk bait retrieve um, so I would definitely choose the high speed over low speed. Gus Manti here. Um, if I did just choose one, I'd probably choose something in that 6.3 to one gear ratio range. Um, with that, you can pretty much do everything. Blades, big blades, big rubber, small rubber, top water, uh, suix, and uh, cranks. But um, two things you can do to kind of uh, modify that with just the one reel, you can either Underspool it so that you can get a lower gear ratio as opposed to keeping it uh, at a high spool or you could uh, switch between a paddle handle or a really really big power handle to get more torque if you're going to use uh, big blades. Phil Sedola here. Um, I guess if I was going to only have one reel I would use the Tranks 500 PG. Um, it's got plenty of line pickup on Green Bay we're throwing quite a bit of bucktails uh, especially with people who maybe not, might not be as experienced. Um, I feel like it's fast enough and it's gonna be a lot easier for people who aren't used to musky fishing, possibly clients or whatever, that um, are gonna be able to cast bucktails all day. I think sometimes um, with a smaller reel, I do have a Tranks 400 high gear that if I have somebody throwing rubber, I'll give that one to them. But most of the time, um, bucktails are kind of our bread and butter. And I have, uh, for client reels, I have Lexa HD 400s, which I believe is a 5.1 or I have the Tranks 500 uh, power gear that I would have the have people use. So Phil, hold on a oh, second. Yep. You do a lot of trolling. Let's talk about a trolling reel. If somebody's looking for a good trolling reel, and Jeff, I'll have you answer that as well. You know, what are we looking at for trolling reels? Sure. Um, so my setups, I just upgraded my trolling reels last year. We use a Koma Convector uh, 30Ds. They're not super expensive. There's not, I mean, they're great reels. Um, people talk about the drags being a problem. After a couple of years, if you use them all the time, you can get them serviced, you can get them redone. But uh, for me, buying 15 of them at a time, it's a great reel to have. Um, the other one that a lot of guys use is the Akuma Coldwater. It's a very similar reel, um, almost, it's very comparable, I would say. They're both a similar price point, and uh, those are kind of the two that I normally see guys running on Green Bay. Will Bueller here. Again, don't do a whole lot of trolling, but when I do, it's a Daiwa Sea line uh, with a power handle. I use it for sucker fishing, short line trolling. Um, I've never had a problem with it, and I've been using them since I was a little kid, so that would be my recommendation. Uh, Jeff Hansen here, trolling for me, um, using the Dakota line counters, um, mainly the 600s. Uh, when I worked on St. Clair, we used the, the bigger ones, the 700s, but for me, the 600s are fine. Um, seem to hold up really, really well for me and have good drags and have loud clickers on them. Um, Casting-wise, for me, 
uh, mainly using uh, 400 PGs. Me personally, I use a 500 PG. I mean, I'm a bigger guy. That's I have a, clients a lot of times have a hard time if they don't fish very often. The 500 is a little bit too big a reel for them, so I'm use the 400 PG, and you can pretty much throw throw anything with it. Um, the bucktails, jerk baits, and that's been a, a really good quality reel that's really held up well for me, um, better than a lot of the other stuff that I use, and that's that's the two reels that I'm using most of the time. All right. Well, let's uh, let's hold it up, Matt. We'll let you answer. We'll answer. Have you answer the next question? But we're going to change it up, Jeff. We're going to talk a little bit about rubber baits here and, and choosing rubber baits. Yeah. So and we've all got our favorite rubber baits. Um, I just want to touch on you know when do you use a certain rubber bait and what maybe makes you make that decision, right? You know, the bulldogs, medusas, toads, bondies, bondy, or any, or any any other thing too. It doesn't always just have to be some of the the more well known stuff. Even the swim bait that Nate talked about earlier, those paddle tail swim baits, which is actually something Nate had turned me onto many years ago. Great producers, but what what's the specific thing? We got a lot of good rubber talent in this crowd. Who, uh, what makes you use a certain bait at a given time? Matt Ross here. Um, ultimately, you know, I'm gonna kind of let the fishes reaction and, and activity tell me that but I I throw a lot of medusas a lot of mag dogs a lot of tubes they all have different purposes if I'm looking to cover water a little faster with something that may might hop a little more I'm gonna be throwing a mag dog if I want something to hang in that fish's face a little bit longer give him an extra second to think about it I'll throw something like a medusa um, and then tubes I mean Tubes are just great baits all around. I, more often than not, I'm throwing a tube before I throw anything else on. But from there, I'll kind of build on the fish's reaction and demeanor and, and go from there. All right, well, Matt, let's stick with you for a second. You talked about tubes. How do you work a tube? I mean, everybody works it a different way, but I think a lot of guys want to work it like a bulldog. Is that how you work your tubes, or do you have a specific different action it? depends to it? what kind of tube it is, I'd say. Um, I run a lot of shallow tubes more than the mid-tubes, so I'm working those kind of a lot like a suic. And if you get them tuned right, they'll, you know, they'll do a lot of that hopping action just like those mids will, but you can work them over some shallower cover and shallower structures. Uh, the mid-tubes... I'm generally working those kind of like a mag dog where I'm kind of giving the rod a good up, a good up pop and getting that thing to really hop and dance. I typically base my rubber selection more on depth and, and what cover I'm fishing than anything. I guess shallow water, it's typically either a, a swimming dog or a medusa. I love the medusa in shallow slop. Um, either early or late in the year, especially late in the year, you get close to turnover. Medusa's got the hang time to trigger bites. Uh, Midsummer, as, as Matt touched on, the tube, but I guess I always, I basically strictly use the mid-depth, and then I'm working a lot of deep weed edges, you know, warmer water, getting it down a little farther. I don't work my tubes like a, like a Medusa or a Bulldog at all. It's, I try and get more of a hop, walk the dog action. And uh, I guess that's typically what works for me with rubber. Um, as uh, Jeff Hansen touched on earlier, the Big Joe is another really good bait when the fish are a little deeper. Um, you can get it to, to do a lot of the tube-like action as well, give it a little hop, and you're using your reel more than your rod. All right, so this is the beautiful part about doing these at a show, Jeff. We just had Steve Jonas, he walked by. Next yeah. thing I know, I rope him into this thing. You gotta flag him down, right. man. And now, and, gotta, and now he's gotta talk about uh, <laughs> rubber baits. So Steve, why don't you talk a little bit about you for a second, just a quick introduce yourself, and then uh, we'll get you talking about rubber baits. 
Sounds good. Uh, Steve Jonasy Guide Service, uh, Steve Jonasy Fishing. Uh, I'm out of Eastern Iowa, Cedar Rapids area. I've uh, been fishing muskies 45 plus years. Uh, grew up fishing northern Wisconsin. Used to guide Mille Lacs up in Minnesota, Vermilion. Uh, so kind of made my rounds, I guess. All right, Steve, well, we're talking rubber baits. When, when do you choose a bulldog over a medusa, over a tube, etc.? Obviously, we all have our favorite rubber baits, but there's you know different times and different places for all rubber baits. How do you make a choice? You know, I think I choose rubber baits based on water temp. The colder it is, I want more uh, slower fall, more hang, uh, still ripping, you know, making it erratic, but a lot more hang time. You know, I like rubber a lot more in the cold water. Uh, All right, well, let's swing it over to, we'll go over to Jeff first and then we'll swing back around. So Jeff, let's talk about rubber baits with you. Um, I guess if the fish are more active, I tend to more throw either a regular bulldog or a mag bulldog or a medusa. If fishing's a little bit tougher, especially if there's a cold front, if there's a cold front, without a doubt, I'm going with a big Joe. Um, if it's kind of in between, one I really got into using the last years, especially last year was the twisted tube from Red October. It's another bait not a lot of guys throw. A lot of guys throw the regular tubes. A lot of guys are not throwing the twisted tubes. That was, I mean, the three biggest fish in my boat last year were caught on those. Um, the fish where I'm at see eight million medusas and eight million bulldogs. So you gotta be throwing different stuff. And, and that's what I'm getting into the big Joes and the twisted tubes and uh, put a lot more fish in the, in, in the boat throwing stuff that the fish aren't seeing all the time all right jeff let me ask you a question and i know for sure you were catching them on twisted tubes because your clients would come over and they'd be buying twisted tubes from us after those trips what's the action like what's the rod action what's the you know how do you work a twisted tube over i mean you work it like a medusa and a bulldog uh, pretty pretty similar if I'm fishing I use the the 10 inch midweight one um, I do use some of the shallow ones in real shallow water but I found if I if the midweight ones if I work with the rod up I could fish them shallow and I kind of hop them like a suic or, or short poles like a bulldog um, if I'm, I'm working a, just not real long poles with them I guess just medium sweeps and if I'm fishing out deeper I just work with a rod tip down and probably do about two foot long poles and a pause with it uh, put put a lot of fish in the boat with them last year and I'm usually throwing them on a nine foot extra heavy rod and versus where if I'm throwing a big Joe I'm using a seven six extra heavy because I'm doing everything with a reel I'm not using the, the rod to impart the action with it Taylor Flannery uh, I'm gonna agree with Nate uh, as far as if you are fishing shallower water I like to rip a Medusa uh, you can really snap that thing rip up the cabbage it makes them angry um, if I'm fishing a deep break that's when your Bulldogs come in um, I do prefer a pro dog over a regular dog uh, it's just got that that uh, little bit of extra hop into it and then uh, something that nobody's mentioned as of yet is um, I do use a shallow Magnum Bulldog a lot um, once you get into September uh, you're fishing mostly tight on the structure and uh, those fish you get that little bit of extra hang but you still get the big bait profile with that shallow and I think that's kind of an underutilized bait. Gus Manti here um, these guys have pretty much touched on everything you need to know about rubber um, to keep it simple I would just look at the weather and the fish's behavior if it's tough weather fish are really uh, negative I would get a bait that gets either right into the weeds or gets deep you know, like a bulldog or tube. And um, if they're super happy and up in the weeds and feeding high, I would rip a Medusa as fast as you can. Um, another thing I really like to do is take a reg bulldog in the standard harness 
and just bend that nose down as much as you can. That thing's got to hop like no other if you rip it as fast as you can. I throw that in like three, four feet of water and it's perfect. Um, even with a tube, mid-depth tube, a lot of people like to throw those in five plus, ten plus feet. I'll throw those up really shallow and just rip it as fast as I can. And another thing I like to do with the tubes is add a uh, blade, slow the hang. All right, uh, Phil Sedola here. Um, I used to throw a lot of mid-medusas, especially early season. It's something that I could uh, throw in the technique that I like to do with that when I'm real shallow. It's kind of like throw it out and then kind of catch it right as it hits the water and start reeling fast, straight reel when it's right by shore. And then um, just we're working real shallow water at that time of the year. So just straight reel and then little, just little tiny pops, like almost like you're working a twitch bait. Um, what I found, I, I, I've done that for years, um, especially over shallow weeds too in the summer, but um, the smaller whale tail, I believe it's the 8-inch whale tail, was one that we had a lot of luck on. I caught a 47-inch on that opening day, and uh, that kind of set the tone for our early season. We were throwing those quite a bit, and um, I'm kind of, a, I guess, n newer to the game than a lot of people, so a lot of times that people would throw a hard bait, throw a jerk bait or a twitch bait, I just like to throw rubber. Like uh, he was saying, it's basically if I can throw it in real shallow water, I can, you know, work a mag dog and just a, a foot or two over the weeds. And if you go fast enough and keep your rod tip up, you can just keep it, keep it moving. So works well. Will Beeler here. Um, going off of what Nate said earlier, uh, gauging the lure that you're throwing based on the water you're fishing. Um, super shallow water, I tend to fish baits with a little bit more hang, uh, a Medusa or a Lake X toad. Um, as I get into deeper water, I tend to fish regular bulldogs, magnum bulldogs, and even into uh, heavy tubes. One thing I don't think was mentioned at all was a uh, heli dog. Uh, that's a magnum bulldog with a magnum, I believe it's a nine size blade on the top of the lure. Uh, I think that's, that's a very overlooked bait, especially in northern Wisconsin. Uh, it creates a little bit more of a hang, um, especially on deeper weed lines. I love that bait later into the summer. So that's one thing I would not overlook. Right on. Good answers, guys. Uh, we're going to tie back in with Steve Jonasy here, since we do have somebody here that has a lot of experience jigging, and if anybody else has some jigging-related re experience, we'll get you in there, too. Um, but Steve's going to touch on a little bit on uh, types of jigging for open-water muskies or for structure-related muskies and times of year to do it. You know, a lot of times open-water, uh, you know, I like to jig in a horizontal, what I call a horizontal jig, swim jigs, tubes, basically a swim jig. Uh, more of a horizontal presentation. Uh, we get into the open water and when the bait moves out post-spawn, uh, you're marking bait on a screen. Uh, we're, a lot of times, we're jigging 12, 15 feet down over 30, 40 feet of water. It might be creek channels, it might be, you know, but we're basically jigging bait. Uh, last fish we caught in December, I just happened to look down at the locator saw a hook right next to a ball of bait, dropped a bondy down there, ripped it twice, fish ate it. Um, so, and being aware of the bait, I mean, bait is key. Open water, shallow water, it's all about the bait. Um, building on that, you know, I do a lot of jigging, obviously, through the ice and stuff. It's it's not one of my primary approaches up north. I have caught fish jigging, certainly, tubes or bondies or that kind of deal. But when you're jigging and you're watching it on a screen, what are you looking for in response to that fish? You know. 
for example, when, when we're jigging through the ice, you know, you're kind of just usually just raising it up, raising it up, raising it up, give it a little pause and a, you know, bluegill or a, a, a panfish of sorts of perch crappie, whatever. They kind of suck it in and you know when to set the hook. You can get it pretty dialed that way. With muskies, obviously, you don't have the number of opportunities that you get with something like panfish or even walleyes for that matter. So is there a certain cadence or a certain thing you're looking for to elicit that response on the graph and then turn that into a fish in the bag? You know, the most important thing I think is maintaining contact with the bait. Uh, you know, years ago, we started jigging fuzzy does-its along with suckers, and we were catching as many fish, you know, on the jigs as we were on the meat. Um, but it's uh, staying contact with the bait. I like to rip them, and of course, I can't leave anything well enough alone. I upsize the, the hooks a little bit, a bigger gap on the hook, uh, upsize the blade, change the, the uh, swivel to a ball-bearing swivel. Um, you know, some, some of the little things like that. Um, but the beauty in the jigging, too, you can cover the water column with the longer rods that we're using. I'm typically using a nine or nine and a half foot jigging. I can cover six, eight feet of the water column. Uh, so you're covering a lot of water as you're moving along as well. Nate Osfer here. Uh, majority of my jigging is always late, late fall. Uh, I love it right before freeze up um, during the Cisco spawn. Ideally, in a boat, you know, one guy in the in the late fall, you got three guys. One guy's running the boat and working the live bait, making sure that's perfect. Uh, another guy's jigging, another guy's casting, and that's kind of the perfect approach to deep water late fall fishing. And it's surprising how many times that the vertical jigging is the preferred. I mean, you can jig right next to a live bait and the jigs get bit three times as many times as the suckers will get bit. So there's just sometimes they want a little bit more activity than live bait gives them. So it's, yeah, I guess it's something we do a lot. And the cadence is, is generally a, a long pause in between jigs up and just a tight line on the way down. Generally, there's three ways you get bit. Either you lift up and they're there or you're dropping down and you feel a tick, or they just, you know, I, I've had them just hit it right right during the middle of a jig. It's it's the three ways, and a, a lot of them, they just hit like a freight train. There's no question you have a fish on, so. Building on that, Nate, you said you do a lot of jigging around the Cisco spawn. Do you, do you find any correlation to where those fish are related in the water column when you find them either around the Cisco's or in areas that you know are like a Cisco location? Do you, do you find any correlation to like where they're located in the water level in terms of close to bottom, off the bottom, and their activity level? During the Cisco spawn, late, late fall, a lot of times I fish more structure and historical areas where I know the Cisco spawn than bait. Um, some of the toughest fishing during the Cisco spawn can be when there's a million Cisco's around you. I generally do better in the periods of time when there aren't a million Cisco's around me. So I'm more or less fishing the areas I know they're going to be or they just were rather than where they are. And typically the jigging is, uh, the best jigging activity has been close to the bottom. Casting, live bait, I generally keep about halfway up, but that's more historical than, you know, looking at the graph. I guess if I'm straight vertical jigging, I'm either using a ripping dog from Musk Innovations or a uh, echo tail from Vibrations Tackle. And primarily if I'm doing that, it's after turnover and I'm dropping them down to the bottom. 
and then ripping them up just a couple feet. The biggest thing with jigging is maintaining a tight line with these. I'm usually using an eight, six or nine foot rod. It's hard to get customers. They want to rip it up so fast and drop the rod back down so fast. You got to slowly lower it back down, um, back into position and always keep a tight line on there. Cause sometimes some of the, your biggest hits and the biggest fish just feel like a slight tick. And if you have any kind of slack line, you're not going to feel that whatsoever. Um, another bait that, I mean, I consider the big Joe, um, just a huge confidence bait for me, um, a, a jig also when i and i use it like a jig if i'm fishing shallower water with it i'm pitching it almost like a bass jig um even making 10 15 foot long casts and short pockets and this jigging it back um, with the rod tail pie in and around the weeds cut a lot of really really big fish that way and then in the fall i'm using either the mojo um, which is just a big a little bit bigger size uh, big joe and i really like having setting up shallow on the break and having customers throw off the break and then let it drop on it and again let it drop on a tight line and if you feel any little tick or any little jump in the line um, i've had a lot of fish bite them on the drop but then let them sink down to the bottom and then sw just use your reel and swim it right up right up the break just work it just like a jig and again it's something the fish just aren't used to seeing um, and especially i mean the best way that i do do it is from working the boat in shallow and casting out deep and, and jig those big joes or mojos right up the break and uh, catch a lot of fish that aren't seeing that type of presentation taylor flannery uh, these guys pretty much covered it as far as keeping contact with the bait at all times. Um, when you do get hit, a lot of times, I like to kind of describe it as almost ice fishing when you're jigging crappies. Crappies will shoot up from the bottom and just don't, and you, your rod tip just goes slack. And uh, that's a lot of times is what you get when you are on a jig bite. Um, something that these guys didn't really cover, it's not jigging, but it's using the jigs, um, actually casting them. You let them, let them sink down, you get them down, you know, whatever, five to 10 foot countdown, and then uh, rip them back. But at the same time, you're still keeping contact with that bait. Um, you can fish a lot of deep water, and a jig is something that a lot of people do not utilize up in the Northwoods. So that can be a very, very useful tactic. All right, Jeff, let's look. Got some good answers here, a lot of guides here. We'll end it on a fun one. All right. As a guide or somebody who spends a lot of time on the water, one of my favorites. Yep. What is one mistake you see very commonly that you tell people to avoid? I mean, it doesn't have to be super, you know, um, insightful, but one that you feel will be the most beneficial. Right. Just something we'll that you see people do, you, you have to constantly correct and let's try not to repeat it too and often try not to repeat it this Before, is the, this is like an elimination game yeah, right here so, so you we'll can't start say with the same thing you Steve. can't say he's gonna get the easy <laughs> one first yeah we'll start so, yeah we'll start with Steve. so you can take poor figure eating out of the equation yeah, right, right now yeah right yeah no you know this is something that i've seen this is something i've seen this is steve jonasy something i've seen over the years and i just just keep repeating it and repeating it keep reeling <laughs> you get a fish to eat the bait, set the hook, and don't get handcuffed up tight. Keep reeling. Keep pressure on the fish. You don't have to reel like a crazy maniac, but keep reeling, and, yeah, you'll catch a lot more fish. That has got to be it. Mechanics. Taylor Flannery. Um, something that I would say that a lot of new people to musky fishing uh, tend to not do is uh, just like the ergonomics of actually uh, using the bait that they're that they're throwing um, a lot of new people starting out you normally would give them a straight retrieve whether it be a top water or a bucktail something of that sort um, a lot of people hold the rod say you're reeling in a bucktail a lot of people hold the rod off to the side and then the bait is actually pulling against their wrist or whatnot and by three you know even two hours into the trip they're you know complaining that their 
wrist hurts, they're not used to it. Um, these aren't muscles that you use on an everyday basis. So um, what I would say is make sure when you're relaying a you know straight retrieve bucktail or whatever, try to point the rod tip at the bait and it'll ease up on your wrists a lot. Uh, Gus Manti here. Uh, one mistake I see, I fish a lot of pressured water, Eagle River area, Eagle River chain. One thing I see is that people just go fish where everyone's fishing. That's the one big common mistake. There's a lot of water out there. If you see something on the map that you really like, just go fish it. If you don't see anybody there, you haven't seen anybody there, just go try it. You know, it's how you find new spots. It might be finding a new bite, you know? So instead of playing bumper boats or whatever, getting in the line, it's, it's better to just go find some new water. Just try new spots. I'll try to make it easier on the guys after me here. Phil Sedola, I'll take a trolling one. Um, the biggest thing that I see trolling, um, I run my drags relatively loose. I know some guys like to run them tighter. I, I run salmon rods, so basically they're real whippy at the tip. They have a strong base. What I'm working on, what's getting those fish to the boat is tension. That I, I give people the spiel and they get in the boat. I say, all right, the rod goes off, I'm gonna grab it, I'll hand it to you. And as the board comes closer, I'm going to tell them to walk back. And they, they take a step or two back, and I tell them, I want you to be standing between the seats, the front seats of the Ranger. Like, I want you up by the console of the boat. And what people do is they have that rod tip up. They're doing a good job. They're reeling. And either one, they'll stop reeling, which is going back to Steve's thing. All of a sudden, they'll, oh, it got off. And they stop reeling. Well, that fish might be swimming towards you. You have to keep reeling no matter. Until I tell you to stop, keep reeling is what I usually say. And the other thing is that people want to see. They want to peek. They want to look at what's happening. They want to see that fish hit the net. I'm standing up in the way in the back deck anyway. Like, stand up, stand back there, keep the rod tip up. And if you try and, like, when people perk up and try and look past me, that rod tip comes down every time. And slack line is what's going to let those fish off. I've seen it way more times. Than I have nightmares about it. But it's just something that if you got you got to stay back, keep the rod tip up, and don't peek. Don't try and see the fish. Don't do it. Like, just keep the rod tip up and keep tension on it when you're trolling. That's... That's the whole name of the game in, in my mind. So I'll hand it off here. Will Bealy here. I get a lot of questions in my boat. Well, why aren't we throwing this bait? Why, why can't I throw this bait now? Um, I like to call it the serial bait changer. Um, when I hand you a bait in the morning, I would probably keep it on for most of the day until I tell you to take it off. Um, fish bite when they want to bite. And if you put a lure in their face when they want to bite, more than likely they will. Um, for new musky anglers, I would say pick a confidence bait, whether it's a bucktail or a rubber bait, keep it on. Okay, get through a moon period or two before you change your lure. That's my biggest piece of advice. Uh, the biggest one for me is I fish, this is Jeff Hansen, the Madison chain, and we have a lot of weeds. The, the biggest mistake I have people make is ruining their cast because they have a small piece of weeds or any weeds on their cast. Always figure eight no matter what. Even if your bucktail's not spinning because it's got weeds on it, your top water prop isn't spinning because it's got weeds on it. I've caught fish. I had a guy get a 49-incher on a top rater that had a full lily pad hooked onto it. It wasn't even working right, and a 49-incher came up and wolfed it. I've had fish eat bulldogs that were half covered in weeds and bucktails not spinning. I mean, figure eight, no matter what. I mean, the, the muskies don't mind having salad with their lunch, so always, always figure eight, um, no matter what. Even if you've got weeds on it, your blades aren't spinning, or you don't think your bait's working right. If it's in the water and it's moving, it's food. Um, those fish will come up and eat it. Just, it, it just shake my head. I'll tell people that right off the bat. If you got weeds on it, still figure eight. And if people have a one-inch piece of weeds on there and they'll lift the bait out of the water, all of a sudden there's a great big head coming out of the water trying to grab that bait and it's too late they they miss that fish so always always finish your cast and figure eight no matter what's on your bait matt ross here this is kind of rough sitting on the end but i would say one thing 
I notice in my boat a lot, and one thing that I find myself coaching people on is using your rod tip to manipulate your bait. Uh, depth in the water column, getting it over structure, getting it over weeds. And then, you know, I fish like probably almost everybody here, I fish a lot of pressured water. So I, I try to get people to remember as you're bringing that bait in to the boat, keep lowering your rod tip, lower your rod tip. Once you get it to the boat, your rod tip should theoretically be in the water. Get that bait down in the water column so those fish aren't seeing you and you're not blowing your, you know, your bucktail or whatever it is out of the water on the way back to the boat. Uh, Nate Asfar here. Um, as a lot of people know, I fish a ton of rubber and my biggest pet peeve and what I see people do is they work rubber to their weak side and it's, it's kind of hard to describe without a demonstration, but always work your rubber across your body. You always have the tendency to set the hook in the direction that you're ripping the bait. And when you're ripping to your weak side, you have nowhere to go with your hook set. Always rip if you are right-handed you're holding the rod with your left hand you're reeling with your right rip the bait to the right side that way you can put your hook or your hips into the hook set and actually get a hook set when you're going to the other side and and people tell me well yeah but i want my bait to go the other way too no no you don't i guarantee you you're going to miss more fish by alternating sides than by going to the same side and being able to put your hips into the hook set that is how you get the hook set with rubber so always rip across your body all right jeff you got to follow up it's like fishing behind a bunch of really good anglers you i know, can you literally feel nate's frustration through <laughs> the microphone i can just see the vein popping out of his neck and i can relate so hard oh my god it's the worst yep yeah and honestly and building on what Nate said there too just about it's kind of like having the mousetrap set right he's t he's making a really good point about having sweeping across and always being in that position to succeed and rip in the direction that your body's already comfortable going because you're not going to have a chance to reset it's it's the same thing with bucktails and other stuff too be ready to you know people will reel again like Taylor kind of said earlier about the bend in the rod you're taking away from your hook setting power when you do that you're losing a lot of that wind up again it's like having the trap already half sprung you don't have that killing power and if you take a rod and have somebody hold it and yank on it as hard as you possibly can for a hook set you'd be shocked at how little power actually translates down to the hook especially when you add in water any sort of bend in the line or any sort of drag like that especially way out on a cast so a big clean sweep like that is huge and having a, a good hook set on something when you've got tension on the line on a, on a steady retrieve as well and keep reeling and one on one from mine i just couldn't help but throw that in there but don't change directions when you hook a fish if there is one thing that has cost hundreds of fish in my boat don't change directions once you've hooked it watch any tv show any youtube show long enough you'll see it i'm not picking on anybody there but oh my god sometimes you just go how did you even boat that fish but harden to the side and keep them coming one way if you run into the boat with a trolling motor or you say you're the the back guy and you've got guys fishing in front of you you may have to make an angle change that's un you know that's unavoidable at times but keep a clean deck so you can walk that fish around your net man can meet you anywhere in the boat keep that fish going the same way that you set the hook all right guys well i want to thank you all for taking time <laughs> out of your schedules tonight i know that there was other things you probably could have done here at this musky show wander around pick up new baits drink beer you know whatever but we want to thank everybody for taking time out of their schedule tonight to uh, talk uh, talk to us about you know musky fishing i hope that our listeners enjoyed this uh, series of live podcasts we've done throughout the expos this year hopefully next year we do it again it seems like it's it's gone over well it's definitely interesting because we have guys like steve popping in randomly you know and at the other shows we had other guys just pop in and out 
you know, so it kind of gives us a different perspective. You know, we have anglers from all different uh, areas here as well, so you can kind of, you know, get a whole different uh, view of of musky angling that we don't always get when we're one-on-one -on -one with, you know, each guest each week. So, uh, Jeff, I want to thank you for taking time out to, uh, you know, fill in for Brad. Hopefully uh, you can, you know, spend all his paycheck in one spot this week. It's <laughs> it's a large one. Yeah, okay. I, now I see why Brad does this. It's a pretty good yeah, deal, man. Very lucrative. I pre appreciate you very, very. I appreciate you having me on, Jeff. I was uh, happy, to, happy to help out. Absolutely. And we want to thank all of our listeners for putting up with us again for another episode, and we'll be back in the studio next week.